Good evening. I want to start with two things before we go any further. On Monday, Mary and Will and I went to uh, Lexington. And one of the things we were looking for is pants for Will. Will, Will's not a, he's not real big into pants. He's more of a shorts kind of guy. Lucille has lost many hours of sleep fearing that he was cold. <laughs> Although he's typically sweating from sun up to sundown. But we went and got some khaki pants. You know, Mary said, you need one pair of pants that you can look presentable in. And the length of those pants are the same length as my pants. And they didn't fit him. They were too short. He has now surpassed me in height. So I feel like he's going to be getting even more taller. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. Second of all, kind of sticking in the clothes thing. And we've made fun of mom for, I don't know how, we're 42 years old. So for 42 years, I've made fun of mom because mom will buy shirts, put them in the closet. About five years later, she'll wear them for the first time. On that trip Monday, after looking for a long time, I bought a new Bible. I brought the same old one tonight. I'm not prepared to commit. I'm going to put the new one in the the closet. And about five years from now, I guess I'll break it out uh, as well. So there were, yeah, that was... A couple of things from, uh, from the trip to Lexington on Monday. I don't know that any of that matters, but nonetheless, uh, if you're wondering why it's still sealed up, taped up, <clears throat> all that, it's still there. Um, tonight, we are continuing in our miracle lesson after tonight. There's only four more left. Uh, we worked our way through uh, almost all of them. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the ten lepers. You may remember, it's been a few weeks ago, but we did teach a lesson uh, on leprosy. Uh, We talked a little bit about what leprosy was as a disease. Um, Most people that uh, had suffered from leprosy in the past, the Bible always makes mention that they weren't really supposed to be near other people. We talked about how that scientifically, the odds of you transmitting leprosy to somebody else are pretty slim. But... The fact that it can lay dormant in you for a long time made people think that it was because I was next to this person. But the fact is, the person may have had it for a long time, they just didn't know it. And so we don't really fault them. Their, their conclusion was probably correct in the past, but maybe their, the method of actually finding that out uh, wasn't quite there. But we do know a little bit about leprosy, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it here this evening, but I do want to address just a couple of things as a reminder. Perhaps you weren't here that night or you've not thought a lot about leprosy beyond that. But we talked about how the conditions were quite miserable for anyone who had leprosy. Not only was the disease itself horrible, it slowly destroyed body parts, but also afflicted uh, the people. They were forced to live apart, to be away from everyone else. So leprosy was very much a physical, a health problem, but it was also a very, very much a social and emotional 
problem as well. Imagine being removed from everybody that you see every single day. And you're removed from them for their benefit because you could potentially transmit this disease to them. Well, I wouldn't want any of you to be shipped away from me. That would hurt me. But if I was the one who had the disease to be shipped away from you, that would hurt as well. So it was not like moving people to a leper colony or outside of the city gates. It really didn't make things better for anybody. And so you have this group that becomes outcast. I don't know that I would say pariahs, but there was very much a separation between the two sides. Lepers were not legally cleansed or free from their disease until the priest examined them and pronounced them healed. And you can read all about that. We did talk about that in the Old Testament. But there was some sort of step-by-step process that had to be, in many ways, a ceremonial healing of those who had leprosy. And the priest performed this ritual for one who was cured, and then that person would be allowed to return to society. And so we talked more about that the last time when we were, uh, last time we talked about that, like I said, a few months ago. But I wanted to reiterate a few of the things about it. Uh, I wanted you to sort of get yourself into the mind of someone who would perhaps be suffering from leprosy. But also from someone who might know someone suffering from leprosy as well. Turn, yes, ma'am. So it still exists. Uh, it still exists. Um, typically, the poorer and the less healthcare access you have, the more likely it is. Uh, a lot of times, Africa and Asia, very rare, Europe and America. Um, so you will, odds of you knowing somebody had it almost non existent. I think I told a number, but I, I can't remember what it was. But there's like 200 cases a year in the United States or something like that. So just. Uh, you know, just a statistically negligible number. There are, yeah, and there's some kind of odds and ends ways that you can get it. Tonight we're going to be talking about not so much leprosy, but lepers, people that had it. And uh, the lesson tonight is the 10 lepers, and we are going to be in Luke chapter 17. So I would encourage you to go ahead and turn to there. It's another one of those miracles that we only find in one spot. And this is Luke 17, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Where this takes place, if you'll look up here on the screen once you've found your way to Luke chapter 17, um, where this story will take place, it will be described as the road to Jerusalem, which is sort of vague. Uh, exactly where we don't really know, but Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he enters into a certain village. But we don't know what it is, but it's along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. So if you come over here to the map, you can see this is Judea and the Dead Sea. If we go up, this is Samaria, and then this is Galilee, and this is like Lake Tiberias or Lake Galilee, depending on the language, uh, the, the translation that you would uh, see of Galilee, not Lake Galilee. But you would see that uh, right here. But this area right here is the border. That didn't show up as well as I hope that yellow box there. But you can see Cana, Nazareth, and Nain all within, um, all within that box. The first miracle that Jesus performs is at the wedding where? At Cana. Okay? What did Jesus do in Nain? 
He healed right. the widow's right. son. Right. Raised the widow's son, exactly. And raised it. And then what's Nazareth? Nazareth to Jesus. That's his hometown. So this is an area that where this takes place. It says it's on the border of Samaria and Galilee. So this is going to be an area that perhaps Jesus would have been most well known in. Um, this would have been a place where Jesus would have been very prominent, most likely, uh, in this area. Uh, we'll see that there were standing afar off ten lepers who would cry to Jesus for mercy. But as we said, lepers were not allowed to be near people. This is an old road in Israel. Uh, this is the wall to, I don't think it's the city of Jerusalem, but I wasn't really clear of what it was. But I mostly want to look at the road. So I want you to think about, just for a second, that is the road. And that's not really a part of the lesson. But we will talk quite a bit in here about Jesus or other people walking from here to there. That's what they walk on. That's a common road. It's a path. It is. It's a path. It's about it's wide enough for you to walk on. It's wide enough for animals to walk on. Wide, but not much more than that. It would have been really difficult to took any kind of cart or hauled anything of significance. This is not the kind of road that most of us would like to walk on. Some of you may walk in your neighborhood, but that's a blacktop road, right? Or a sidewalk. I, you know, you hear about people that walk in malls. So the reason you walk in malls, it's flat, and it's air-conditioned, and it's cool and clean and comfortable. That's none of that in this picture. And so what I wanted you to see was the next time me or somebody else is pre- presenting something and they talk about these people walking, they talk about cleaning their feet, I want you to pull this image back up. Okay? How dirty would your feet be if you walked from the bottom of this picture to the top of this picture? Now, even if he's wearing regular tennis shoes or hiking boots or something today, he'd still be pretty. And they were wearing what? They were wearing sandals, right? John the Baptist said that he wasn't fit to do what? And Jesus is saying. So last time, but that, that was, you know, that would have been pretty, pretty difficult. So I wanted you to see this picture to kind of get an image of what it would have looked like there in that time period. So, um, you know, we couldn't wait for him to get a four-lane road built. Uh, we've come a long way uh, from uh, from where they were just uh, just a couple of thousand years ago. We have our picture uh, here. I think Maria, we talked about the Brooklyn Museum a couple of weeks ago. So I'm just going to start thinking maybe everything. Maybe the Brooklyn Museum just needs to bring a traveling exhibit to us. Maybe we take a field trip. I don't know uh, what it'll be. But tonight we're going to talk about these ten lepers, and we'll get into it um, right about now. So this is Luke 17. Now let's look at verses 11 through 13 to start with. Linda Denham, you want to start for us, dear? 11 to 13. All right. Now, again, we read these quite often. We could read the whole thing, but I want to break them down so we can look into it just a little bit. You'll notice there are no red words right here. Jesus will enter into the scene, but he's not present or at least not speaking right here. So some simple uh, questions to start with. How many lepers were there in this story? Ten. All right. So we've got ten lepers. That's a pretty big number. Uh, If you see ten of anything, it's a fairly sizable number. You might see 10 cheerleaders or 
10 football players or 10 co-workers, that that's a big number. You would notice that group. Why might there be a large group of people with leprosy together? I think we've already talked about it. Go ahead. They kind of had to be together. Absolutely. So, so we talked, though, at the beginning about how if you were suffering from leprosy, you had to be removed from where? Your family, your home, your community. And so you're stripped of really everything. So why might there be ten lepers together? There you go. So this lack of, like Lucille, you said, didn't have nobody else around them. And so that sort of becomes the de facto family, you know, the, the community. You know, if, if I've got leprosy and you've got leprosy, you know, it don't matter for us to be near each other. We're all going to have it, dude. And I've read the psychologists say the most important thing in the world for people is a sense of touch. Sure. And I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless of the situation, they said that meant more to them than anything. Mm-hmm. And touch it. Yeah. If I can't hug you, Daniel, yeah. I'm going to be really upset. Sure. You know? And so I think that we we see this group of people together, they probably spent their whole lives, or at least their whole post getting leprosy lives, uh, together. Mistreatment. Now, as we've seen quite often with people who were suffering from illness or whatever it might be, in verse 13, what did those of, with leprosy request of Jesus? <coughs> so he's, they say, Lord, uh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What does that mean? Okay, have pity on them, help them. Okay, they recognize him as the healer. Uh, I, I think we see that with the word master that's there. Uh, we sometimes see the word teacher or rabbi or whatever it might be. But they recognize that Jesus was capable of doing something. Now, not, not to be too semantical here, but what are they not asking? At least not in our language. They didn't ask to heal them, right? They said, have mercy on us. What, what might that mean? I think we've talked about this before, but... Compassion. Well, I mean, they, anything he did for them probably would be better than what they got. You know, whether it's food or, you know, or anything. Right. Be better than the situation. Absolutely. And so they're, they're in this situation where, as Ben was saying there a few moments ago, probably not a lot of compassion, not a lot of mercy from other people toward them. They've not experienced this quite a bit. And so you're asking Jesus, have mercy on us. Whatever you you make the call, whatever it might be. Yep. All right. I don't know that we would t- take it that way. One of the things that they would sometimes do is approach people begging for alms or for food or something like that. I don't know. But we also mentioned that this takes place in an area that Jesus would have been familiar. They, so I, I don't know, you know, if we... It says they cried out, Jesus. Yes. I think this approaching people would be a common thing, but Jesus being from here might have been even more like, oh, that's Jesus. He's actually the guy that... Because you know the word Jesus 
has been spread around even due to leper colonies, right? Uh, that's probably happened uh, there as well. Okay, other thoughts on that before we get into Jesus' response then. Okay, so they have approached Jesus and they say, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. So let's look at then verses 14 to 16, Lucille. Now, there's a lot to address here, and we'll address all of it here uh, as we go. But we do see Jesus in this uh, first verse here, verse 14. So whenever they said in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said what? What does Jesus tell them to do? Go show yourself to the priest. Now, we've talked about Jesus's Methods of healing so far. <clears throat> this is a unique one. Does Jesus touch them? Does Jesus necessarily heal them in a way that we've seen happen so far? In fact, Jesus says to do what? Does that sound familiar? No? <laughs> Well, what did we talk about earlier? What was the process of cleansing leprosy? You had to be cleared by the priest. You had to be cleared by the priest. So Jesus here in this healing is following the Levitical law, right? He's following the old law in this approach of how they're going to heal. No, no, that's true. That's true. And it says then at the end of verse 14, go show yourself to be uh, to the priest. <coughs> and it says, and so it was as they went, what happened? Okay. And so as they went, they were cleansed. Now, imagine yourself in this position. You have been suffering from leprosy. You've been ousted from the community. You clearly have a handful of people that you're spending a lot of time with, but these are probably not the people that you would like to spend the most time with. You'd rather be with your parents or your kids or your family or whomever it might be. But what is your emotional state going to be once Jesus tells you to do this? I, I can see them running. Yeah. I can see them running. And as they go. Right. Tommy? Absolutely would have been a level because this is what you've, you know, I, I don't want to put words into it, but I will just look. This is what you've kind of been waiting for, right? And you you probably know enough about this story of Jesus, like Kevin, you said a minute ago, that you're, this is the guy, like, you know, maybe something here. Why? Then. Jesus gives him a plan to mail back. Yeah. He didn't deal or otherwise they had a choice right there. He told them, don't do this. And they're going. They're not getting healed, but then they start to walk around and go, hey, it's God. Right. So they weren't going to the priest because they had been healed. Right. They were just going to the priest because Jesus told them. Right. They, I don't think they knew what to expect. But then they know it's an eight. Absolutely. So after this happens in verse 14, then let's look at verse 15. Of those healed, and we said, how many were there healed? Three. 
of those healed, 10, only one leper does what in verse 15? So if we look at verse 15, it says, and one of them, so one of the 10, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice does what? Glorified God. So he returns and, and maybe how would we describe this today? What did he do? I think that's how we would So He thanked him. Like he went and I appreciate what you have done for him. He glorified. Only you could have done this. Whatever words you might want to say right there. But only one did. Now, well, I'm afraid I'm going to ask the question. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Why do you think nine did it? Right. Others. Maybe the others were still the way to see the priest. Could have been. Could have been. Everybody wants to be thanked. Yeah. Today, I helped some people. And both of us said thank you. Sure. Absolutely. Good word, money or right. We've seen sentences similar to this. Situations similar to this. There were times when Jesus healed people and he told them to not what? Don't go tell. There were times when he told them to what? To go tell, right? There were times when people thanked Jesus. There were times when people <coughs> sort of went on their way. There was a man who'd been cleansed of had the demon, right? And he was dying to go with Jesus. He said, no, you need to stay you can probably tell more people, you'd be more successful telling your neighborhood about what happened. Well, what do you think these 10 lepers are going to go do whenever they can go back into the community? They're going to tell everybody who cleansed. So the word of Jesus is going to spread, right? But we don't see, they, they, they sort of, that becomes maybe the main thing. Now, Jesus uses one last thing here in verse 16. Sure. They might have just kept to themselves yeah. and fear of him. 
throw it out. But this one, we know that this right. one went to Jesus and proclaimed Jesus and thanked Jesus and worshiped. And then one thing too that I think about is most people were never cured from leprosy. Okay, you got leprosy, the real deal. Leprosy, right. you're not going to get that. People had imperfections in their skin, white places and stuff like that. And it, that could be leprosy, so they would segregate for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, well, it turned out to be a pimple or something, you know, something right. different, you know, a bull or something like that. And so, though, I can imagine the priest thinking, "Wow, there's ten people here." You know? Yeah. And I think they're all there at the same time. They probably, I'm sure, they would have asked, "Right, know, straight there." And how can ten people be? That that has to be pretty phenomenal. Right. This don't ever happen. You know? So. As Jesus then, as we see what heals, and we're not seeing Jesus talk yet. This is, verses, this is Luke's description in verses 15 and 16. But the man is referenced, I should say that, that Jesus will reference him a little later. In verse 16, this is not Jesus making the reference. It's sort of a dial back too. But he was referenced as what nationality? It says, the man fell at his feet, gave him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Why might this be mentioned. Yep. And so he's a Samaritan leper, which probably puts you about the lowest level of rank for the Jewish world at the time that it could have been. But he mentions this. Think so? Think so. Why else? So I, I think, Ben, I, I, I like what you're saying right there. Because we said at the beginning, Jesus healed them in a method that was very Jewish. And they went to be declared, they were following the law, right? They're following me. God, we're supposed to do this. this how, but this one says, I need to go back and thank Jesus for it. There's a little Old Testament, New Testament in this story, right? That we can follow the law. We can follow. I can be baptized. I can be cleansed of my sin. But I should be thankful to who? For what? For, for it. I should be thankful to. And I need to be, I, I need to be thankful to Jesus for doing that for me. Not that, well, I was baptized. Well, that's really good. But that was only because Jesus came, lived, died for me, right? So I need to be thankful and grateful to that. And sometimes it's like, it was, well, that, the Jesus story, that happened, and I was baptized, or I did this or that. We get kind of caught up in that law book, chat book a little bit, right? We, you know, I did this, I did this, and we sort of forget the love, the grace, the fact that really, if it hadn't been for Jesus, you'd just get a little wet, right? There was baptism in the Old Testament. The Right. Yep. And yeah. So it, it, quite often, the pe the Samaritans seem like they're they're the they're the, they're the good ones, right?
less than 30 at least of these. And if you remember those first two or three was almost strictly Jewish, right? And then it was sort of like, well, Gentile healing, but just because it's kind of the right thing. To now, it's like, there was no, it didn't matter who this guy was. They're, they're all like, Gentile, Jew, Samaritan, whatever, heal all of them. And so you're exactly right, kind of, we went from sort of a restricted sort of covenant to an open door for all who would be willing to, to hear and accept Jesus. And going into that time with what Moose said and what she said both, Jesus said in that scenario about the woman at the well, she's like, you know, they say we got to worship spirit. We, you know, we say worship spirit. So what Jesus says, now, said so all that God requires you to worship in spirit and truth. And God is seeking those who can worship, such to worship. God is seeking. God wants our worship. Mm-hmm. This one Samaritan gave God what God wanted worship in return and worship God and praise God. Absolutely. Let's go to the last three verses here. This is Luke 17. Verses 17, 18, 19. Annette, do you care to read this one? So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten friends for her of the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. I like that we'll sometimes see in the Bible the language that Jesus uses. Quite often as a way to make you realize that you were kind of in the wrong. Jesus seems disappointed in the lepers who he had healed. And he asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the what? He says, where are the nine? Which is a valid question, right? One come back, but there were, there were ten. Should have been nine others as well. We've already addressed not what Jesus said, because it was sort of referenced before Jesus talked. But he said, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this what? Now, I, I like the use of the word foreigner right here. Because usually when we talk about someone who's foreign, they're not familiar with our customs. They're not familiar with what we sort of do. But Jesus said, this foreigner the person that you probably would look down upon came back and said, thank you. And you, well, the Jewish people who were there still around because the nine obviously were gone. But he said, and you probably would have thought bad about this person. You might have thought ill of him. I don't know. I love the use of the word foreigner right there because I think it's a spin straight into the, into the people like, you all would talk bad about this person. And perhaps you shouldn't be. What did Jesus tell the grateful leper? Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And he did what Jesus had asked of him. But he also did a little bit more, right? He did. He was supposed to go to be clean to the, to the priest. He did that. But he even comes back and does a little bit more uh, as well. Questions? I, I, I like this story, and I was glad that for us to be able to study it uh, here this evening. I want us to look at. I think one thing before we leave it here, though. The other, the other nine were cleansed with no Yes. For how long? Don't know. They were cleansed for all. Ben is so good at taking these. 
I think Ben and I are just going to tag team. I'm just going to teach it. And ben, tell them what they need to take home with you, you know, and then we'll go from there. Number one, you won't always be thanked, right? We won't always be thanked. Only one of the ten returned and thanked Jesus, okay? And we won't always be thanked for everything that we do. How many of you have done things and not been told thank you? Well, Jesus told the disciples in John 15 and verse 20, they, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. So you can't, they didn't, they, they didn't thank Jesus. So if Jesus didn't get thanked, should I expect a thanks? Probably not right there. If Jesus wasn't shown that gratitude for what he did. And I'm never going to heal 10 people of leprosy. That'll, that'll never happen. <clears throat> and so that's probably way greater than anything I could do. But they didn't thank Jesus, so probably won't thank me. But that's... Okay, because expecting gratitude can make us bitter. You know, sometimes we can become bitter because we weren't thanked. There are times, I'm 42 years old now, but there are times that I think about things when I was younger, and I regret not thanking mom and dad for certain things. And I know that mom and dad knew that I appreciated them, and I know that they... but. It wouldn't have took a whole lot to have said, thank you. I regret that. And I try to be better about it now, but I think that that's part of growing up, right? You know, you, you, I'm sure you all had the same thoughts toward your parents for things that they did, and your parents maybe, uh, maybe have been gone. But our neighbors and our coworkers or whatever, but recognizing that we won't always be thanked keeps us from getting angry about it. Because I did something for you, Tom, and you ain't never said thank you. What's that going to make me think about Tom if I'm not careful? I think less of it. Next time Tom needs something, y'all can help him. I'm not. He did. Do you know people that get to that point? Well, we can, right? Well, what if Jesus had shut it down after people didn't thank him? This would be a pretty sorry series of lessons. We'd have got to about four and that'd been about it, right? But we've come along because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus continued to heal people, even though it sometimes seems they weren't appreciative. And in some cases, they almost turned around and got Jesus in trouble for doing it. But expecting gratitude can make us bitter. But we want to thank others when they help you. And that should be our thing. I can't help that you didn't thank me. But my task, my business should always be to thank you. You know, if a person holds the door for you, thank you. If two people hold the door, thank you. You ever been in one of those situations where you hold the door for somebody and they say thank you and then they open the second one and you're like, well, thank you. Everybody kind of laughs. You know, it's kind of an awkward situation. You don't really, you've already said Thank you. Sometimes my students would sneeze and, and I'll say, bless you, or something like that. And then they'll sneeze again. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not telling you twice. You know? It's kind of a little joke right there. But how many times should we forgive, the Bible said? Was it 70 times 7? Was that what they said? How many times should we thank? The same kind of thing right there, right? If your neighbor helps you fix something, thank you. And a few couple years ago, the little girl that lives next door, she's married now but she was in school and we were on vacation and she 
came and brought our trash can back off from the road. Well, she didn't have to do that. I didn't even ask her to do it, but she knew he was gone and she went and did it. And I thanked her, you know, for it. I mean, that's a kind gesture on her part. But we need to follow the example of the one leper who came back and healed. Because even if nobody else in this room, even if nobody else in your life is thankful and expresses that thanks, that shouldn't stop you from doing it. And our goal should always be to not be what other people do, but what Jesus would want from us. That should be our striving and our goal for it. Questions before we close up shop? I think if we understood the, the verse, thanks be to God who gives us a victory over Jesus Christ, it would put everything in the proper place if we understood that. This world is going to give you tribulation. Jesus says, be a good chair of overcome. But if we could say to ourselves every day, thanks be to God, which gives me the victory over Jesus Christ, that's, that's all we need to do. Because everything else in perspective, the world mistreats you, says ugly things, or don't appreciate you. That's okay. It is a country. It is a country. Yeah, that's one reason I've got to say this. I've written those stories that I've written. Scotty's family last night told me 50 times they appreciate those stories because they were 10 of them about him. And I pointed out the ones were about him they had read them. And they said, we got so much enjoyment out of Scotty will live off, okay, because with the little kids, it's too little to remember the grandpa. They'll read about him one of these times in those books. And they'll know, Daddy, Grandpa was a good guy. He was a, he was a, he was a good friend that people loved. And uh, that's one of the main reasons I, I try to keep these memories alive with people that have meant so much to me. And I am thanking them for what they've done. Grandparents, mom and dad. Right. Uh, we need to be in a continuous state of faith.